Who never do for do? Yeah, wings with friends. Ah, wings with friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Boom, boom. No, you're right. It is a lot of work, and you're like, you have to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Now the 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 question is for the listeners: What's a lot of work? What were they talking about right before she hit that record button? That's like a warm <laughs> intro. It's like, oh, you'd think I edited it that way, but no. Well, um, hey everybody, welcome to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch. This is just going to be audio, so uh, we don't have to see how unready we are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back to Wings with Friends. Thank you for being here. I am so excited to be here with a second time guest please welcome matt alana martin hello what's up everybody i am so excited to talk about paul mccartney's other band wings it's not enough podcast are talking about how the friendships that are i'm sorry if that joke has been made a million times on this podcast i'm sorry oh wings is it the band wings you know did you know he was in a band called wings no but i was thinking of rod stewart's other band faces oh yeah like that where it's like they had some bangers but you didn't realize who it was yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Wings was his post Beatles project. See, this is educational too, not just although I, I am now very curious for you to start a podcast called Faces with <laughs> Friends. Faces with Friends. <laughs> Faces. <laughs> Hold on, because now I need to find something. Was that song was maybe I'm amazed on that? album probably that's the era of wings it's like a band on the run uh live and let die when they did when they did the uh the the james bond uh soundtrack um they had some things they had you know they had some hits you know i'm trying to see the art because i I, come on wingspan wingspan is that the name of the band or was it just the album called wingspan it's probably just called wingspan i think the band is just called wings Okay, look at the the art. It's a uh, it's like a W. Yeah. Which this would be good wings with friend podcasting. Of you, like... you, you think you can steal it? <laughs> you think? Okay. Do you think Paul McCartney has a lawyer? Do you think he loves comedy? I've heard. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. Um, I've heard people say like he'll be at their show or he, they've talked to him at a show or whatnot in oh, LA. That's crazy. But uh, I was thinking we can get Laura Sanders to maybe draw us something like this. Oh, definitely. I love Laura Sanders. She did uh, my new t-shirt design and it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So this was on my list to talk about Laura and your t-shirt design, but I'm all over the place now. I'm already, already off track. Um, First of all, let's introduce you properly. Matt Alana Martin, originally Mm -hmm. from Bloomington. Uh, That's where, that's where I live currently and where I started doing comedy. Yes. Yeah. So I've been here a long time. I'm from Bloomington at this point. More, most, more than half my life I've been in Bloomington now at this point. Okay, fine. Where were you born? I was born in Clark County, Indiana, right outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, very cool. So right across the river. Nice. So I was there until I was 17. And then you made and, to Bloomy. Well, I went to, this is the boring part. <laughs> like, this is like, this is Mary helps you fill out your Wikipedia page, the podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, I went to college in Evansville, Indiana. And then I stuck around for a couple of years after college. And then I moved to Bloomington in 1999. Uh, so I've been in Bloomingtonian since 99. And then it was really just kind of a base of operations because then I spent most of my adult life post-college on the road, working as a tour manager for bands. And then once I got into comedy, just doing the road as a comedian. So, so. cool. 99 was a really good year. It was a good year for music. It was. Yeah. Yeah. You had Willinium by Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, the song song? Really the thong song is in 99. You knew that already. Uh, you already have it. Okay. Oh, I have a whole list. Also, Santana Smooth, that album came out. Yeah. And although it's overplayed, do you remember how that felt when that song came out? It's a great song. I know it, it was it was overplayed. I, th- I think if you hear it now, you might still try to act like uh, this song again. But there's a little part of you like, ah, this song's pretty good. Oh, I remember me and my friend Nicole dancing in strangers apartment in ocean beach california at 3 a.m and just like okay i remember because it was the year i turned 21 okay i was wondering why you had this locked in i was like (laughs) is that the year you graduated high school or something like you you started rattling up every song from 99 so it's either the songs that you and your uh, fellow graduation senior prom committee were going through (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or or is the year that you got to go into bars and hear music and now we know which one it is yeah thanks for thinking i could have been on the senior prom committee i think so. i think you could have been yeah yeah i could no didn't happen um 
Um, that's what's made me into the adult that I am today, actually. Um, so, okay, this is so much fun. Matt, I first met you at the um, Cloudtop Comedy Festival in Santa Fe in 2019, which was probably one of my favorite years for comedy. Also, that was a great year before the pandemic took everything away. Uh, <laughs> it didn't, but... Um, and we got to have wings back then, and it was really cool to get to know you. How have you been since Cloudtop 2019? And what a loaded question, because obviously the big the big white elephant in, in that time span between now and then is, of course, the COVID year, um, which, thank goodness, that's over, guys. We did it. We eradicated not a thing anymore. Him. Yeah, we finally got rid of that fake virus. No. Um, yeah, man, I, I've been good. Um, it is a weird thing. Like, I think a lot of us spent the last year, we spent 2022 sort of like starting over, digging out, right? Um, because 2021 was comedy went away, you know, with the exception of like Zoom shows and things like that or 2020 2021 i guess um that span like was really weird for doing shows all the time so i've been good though i can't really complain i mean honestly like um i the time off was kind of good in a way for me um i went and got a job at the boys and girls club and like you know did service to my community um and then I was also able to be my mom's primary caregiver, like sort of at uh, the end of her life, uh, which uh, so all these things were like very kind of meaningful and special, you know, um, not that, you know, doing, uh, you know, the Friday Late Show in Little Rock isn't meaningful and special in its own equally challenging way as a COVID year, but uh, <laughs> or losing a parent. Yeah, but I yeah. I feel like it was it was challenging, um, and I know you've gone through a lot in this time, so I'm not minimizing that or I don't no, want no, to minimize no. that. But um, it's like during it, you're like, no, that wasn't great. But I think when you reflect on it, you're like, wow, it was neat to slow down. It was neat to have the opportunity to be there. Um, yeah, and that's important course. to be a primary yeah. caregiver. Yeah, no, it it, it is one of the it, I I say that it's like the last gift that my mom gave my brother and I because my brother and I don't have kids, you know, and so to like understand, I'm not trying to make you cry. I, this is not a no, video podcast, so people so, can see that Mary's getting beclamped right now. It's just it's so the you're you hit the nail on the head. It, it, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a thing. Yeah, yeah, because we don't have kids, so we don't know truly uh unconditional love right like uh i love my wife very much and everything and uh but there is a difference when you have to physically take care of a person you know in the way that a parent does a child and that you know we have to do for our parents at one point and so it really was a, a beautiful thing you know yeah. so that's how i try to like think about it anyway yeah thanks for sharing that um you were also creative during the pandemic um I we're going to talk about your comedy album but you released a music album during that time I did. Yeah. So I, so I grew up playing in bands and I was doing that forever and I was never in anything that was very successful. I went under later working for more successful bands as a tour manager, but during the pandemic, so the first round of me having to take care of my mom is right during the pandemic lockdown. It's right during the George Floyd and uh, Brianna Taylor murders. Uh, we literally, my mom literally lives across the river from Louisville. We could see the fires in Louisville um, as like the riots were breaking out. Um, and so all this stuff is happening and I'm taking care of my very, very sick mother. So there's a lot of stress. And so what I did to relieve the stress is like, while my mom would sleep for a couple hours on her medication, I would go into the guest room and I would started writing these really um fast angry punk rock riffs on my guitar with like a headphones you know i have like a little amp with headphones so it wasn't making any noise and i just sent it to my friend jd who lives in london and he was like these are cool we should do something with this and so he and i wrote a, a reactionary angry political punk ep um and released it under the name belta lauda which is a shout out to my favorite sci-fi series the expanse and uh, it was so good that we decided to keep doing it. And now our friend Dagan is playing drums. So we record albums remotely, dropboxing files to each other and uh, put them together that way, which, you know, technology wise, we can do that because JD lives in London. Uh, I live in Bloomington, Indiana. Dagan, our drummer, lives in um, Portland, Oregon. So it's just a way that we can all stay creative. And it's so much fun for me, too, even though the the, the basic idea of the band is to be is to talk about things and yell about things that I can't make jokes about. I can't make a joke about police brutality. Um, or at least I, I don't have a desire to, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can make some jokes about some pretty dark things, but there's some things in this world that I don't, I don't want to write a joke about. And so this is a way for me to talk about those things that I can't talk about in comedy. And it's just, it's so much fun. It's so much more fun than when I was trying to make it as a musician. 
like that, you know, that's like, has all these pressures. And this is like, this is never going anywhere. This is nothing but us doing it for fun. And it's, it's, it's like my version. And I wonder if more people of my generation, cause I'm 49, if more people in my generation will start doing this instead of making the old man blues band, like there's the midlife crisis, old man blues band <laughs> with like, the, like the, you know, the bowling shirts with flames on them and stuff like that. I didn't grow up listening to that. I grew up listening to punk rock and indie rock and stuff like that. So I wonder if there's going to be a bunch of midlife crisis punk rock and indie rock bands I, that get together. I think there are. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that in reggae bands is what it's going to be for our generation. Uh, but you're right. The old man uh, blues band, um, it's evolved. I always say like, those are the guys. <laughs> what did I, I was thinking about like my type now is a geriatric beastie boy. So it's like that guy who never talked to me when I was in back in 99, but yeah. now they're older. They still wear Vans or Adidas, but they have gray hair now. Yeah. And still I'm like, Oh, now there's, a, now I have a chance. Anyway. So you're, you're, um, <laughs> I, I love, I love the idea of a geriatric beastie voice as a, as a, as a type, because I know the minute you said it, I pictured the person in my head. I got it. Yeah. Well, also, um, um, my D, I mean, specifically, he's got what he's got silver hair. He's still yeah. a hottie. He still looks great because he's still wearing his T-shirt, his kind of bagger pants and his uh, Adidas. And you're like, oh, and I, yeah. I've gotten older. So it's like, I guess that's not where I wanted to go with that. <laughs> but what I was thinking, though, you know, what's great about your album that you release, like it's a it's a timestamp. It's a reaction of the moment. And I mean, I knew it was important then. But even as we talk about it now, because people seem to forget, you know, and people get a little comfortable, you know, every company and, and everybody was all for it and everything during the summer of 2020. But now it's like business as usual. And let's scale back some of our inclusion and DEI programs. And I think it's just really important to, to not forget and an album, a song or a poem or something really marks that into history. Yeah, thank you. That's very good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of what the idea of the band is, is we're not trying to make eternal party music. We really are trying to be because we're really inspired by this really great quote by Nina Simone, which she said the artist, the job of the artist is to reflect the times. Uh, that's something that Nina Simone very much believed in. And so that's kind of a credo for the band, for sure. Yeah. Remember that that I think it was was it Incubus that song Megalomaniac? maybe i was never incubus kind of hit a little bit like, later i was a bit older but yeah yeah hit. it was but I, I i now always think and i think they were talking about george w but they were like you're no jesus you're no fucking elvis uh you're no something and i was like wow that's really poignant and it feels even more important like today yeah but um anyway sorry to bring up other bands that's okay no it's good yeah how dare you mention another band <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a radio mainstream band yeah i don't i don't mind incubus i'm just saying that they were like i know the radio hits and i think that's it because oh, course, by the yeah. time by the time they came out i was like not staying on top of like brand new breaking like hard rock indie rock stuff I you gotcha. i'm old uh, mary that's the point of that whole thing is i'm very old <laughs> you're so old <laughs> well you've been working on a lot since then too and so and and one of the reasons why you connect is i want to hear about this new album this comedy album tango in philly Tell me about it. When did you record it? What's it about? Where yeah. So, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were done. You're so good at this. Never you done. Have so many... I'm never done. And I, I tell myself like, shut, just shut up. Just stop. No, no, no. I love it. Never done with Mary Upchurch. I love it. Uh, no, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, well, it's, it, I understand it's, it's a little confusing. The Tango and Philly is a special, it's a 30 minute special. And then I did have an album come out a few months prior to this called, uh, Midnight Nachos. Um, and that's an audio only, and that's a full hour. Um, the special is the thing that just came out, um, Tango in Philly. It was recorded in November of 2021 um, at the Philadelphia Helium Comedy Club as part of their series of specials. They started shooting a bunch of specials that month. Um, they invited a bunch of comics to come do one. I was lucky enough to be invited to do it. Um, and it's, you know, these things take a long time for them to turn around and edit and they tried to sell the series and that didn't go. And now they're just kind of putting them on YouTube, which in a way is almost better, honestly, because like, yes, I would like to make money, but you know, people have these specials that come out on like Quibi or something like that, or like these very obscure channels 
that are almost kind of hard to find sometimes, right? Like if you're not on a mainstream thing, like I know that you have one coming on Drybar, which is great because Drybar is a big major platform, right? That's a big platform. Um, you're you're kind of giving me the sink eye, maybe not. I don't know, but anyway. No, I'll tell but, you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. But um, you know, if they had sold it to like I had a friend who put out a special, and they sold it to uh, Amazon, which was great. So it was technically on Prime, but you had to try and find. You it was hard to find. Mm-hmm. Whereas on YouTube there's just the natural you know suggested videos and algorithms so i feel like there's more likelihood that more people will see it because it's a free video on youtube um so it's on youtube it came out and it's this bizarre it's a bizarre document of a friday late show because even though this is clearly a a comedy special taping and it's me and a couple other comics taped that night um there's camera people everywhere. There's giant signs that talk about, you know, if you enter here, you're, you know, waving your right to, you know, you're going to, you're saying you're okay to be on camera. There is a just completely wasted woman dead center front row who basically interrupts my show throughout that I have to deal with. And so talking with the director, Jimmy chairman, who is really, really great at his job and very artist supportive. I, I got to say he's very, very patient. Um, we decided just to release it kind of as is as like a document because I have to handle her and I'm a very, you know, and I'm a very nice person. I never call her name. I never like snap on her. I never, you know, I like, I people, I don't know if I dunk on her. I say, I would, I would say I get some layups on her. Like I don't go hard, but I definitely try to control the situation, but it just becomes a much more fascinating thing than just a guy on stage telling jokes. Like there's a lot of subtext happening and the way that they edited and framed it is really, really masterful. I feel like I feel like they really make it very clear what's going on. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, when you first described, like, I had a drunk heckler in the front row of filming my special. I bet any comedian listening to this would be like, "Oh God, you know, the worst." I, you know, you can't ex- ask for anything worse. But it sounds like you really took the opportunity and said, "Hey, let's lean into it. Maybe we have something really special here." Um, for a special and it's um, yeah that's kind of neat and unique and I'm wondering uh, I, I I wonder what the outcome will be but um, it sounds fascinating I haven't gotten to watch it I'm gonna watch it after this yeah. Um, but uh, yeah so I would I would love to get your thoughts on it people send me some very nice uh, messages about it and the ones that are kind of sticking out are you know like again comics I think have a solidarity thing because we've all dealt with that but not during the taping of your special, not on like your biggest night, you know? Um, And so I think there's been a lot of solidarity for that, but I've also gotten some messages from friends that are more academic. You know, I live in a college town, so I know a lot of like PhD type people, you know, and stuff like that. And like uh, people that have gone straight from getting their PhD to still working in academia, they have very academia minds, you know? And so a couple of those people have sent me messages talking about how fascinating it is as almost like this weird sociological or anthropological document of like performer audience dynamic how that changes and shifts throughout the entire thing like it's it's like i i we definitely got something more interesting than the normal special and and hopefully people dig it you know even if it's not it's definitely not what i wanted to put out and there's a couple of jokes i start that i have to abandon because she steps on them or whatever and i have to deal with her or another there's another pretty drunk guy in the front row who starts pipping up later on in the special um kind of in support of me dunking on this woman, which yeah. is in itself, it's its own problem, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, when we looked at like the different ways to edit it and what to come up with, we just kind of decided to like put it all out there and just show. So hopefully, hopefully that pays off. Hopefully people find it interesting. Definitely one of the words that a couple of people have said is it's compelling, compelling. Um, which, you know, I, I would have gone with funny, but I'll take compelling. <laughs> it's fine. Well, you know, wait, I, I just got done listening to good ones. Um, uh, a good one episode about the best specials of the year where mm. Jesse and um, I can't remember, I should have looked it up before I quoted it, but they go through all of these specials of the year and talk about the top 10 and like all of them. And especially the top half, um, it seems like specials have gotten more into that. They've gotten more compelling versus funny or maybe mm. you know, they're both, but, um, and there's like more to it. There's a different angle. It's more artistic. Um, and I'm seeing that's kind of, I don't want to say a trend, but I think people are kind of trying to think outside the box. Like, what can I do? That's not just me talking on stage. Not that you planned it that way. No. You're just leaning into the opportunity. Yeah. I bet you that lady after the show, was she like, that was so great. You're so funny. I love you. 
No. Uh, well, she left and I, I was, she, she, so she, you see her get up and leave during the set. Right. And so it's right towards the very end. I think it's like the second to last joke or third to last joke or whatever. She gets up and leaves. Her fiance stays. Um, but they were gone by the time the show was completely over because I get done. And so because we, we were taping these, there was another person taping right after me that, that, that for the same audience, although they did refill those seats. I think they removed him and like put a different couple in that seat or whatever. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, I've never I've not heard from this person. You know, uh, again, I I I could understand if they're mad, but also like. I think the way I handled her was kind of kind of with compassion and also still oh. trying to get the job done. Like there's literally a point where I'm checking on her because I'm worried about her. Like I'm I'm literally asking like are you okay? Do you need some water? Because yeah, that's I mean, how wasted she is. This I mean this is definitely a testament to who you are as a person because you know so many other people would have taken the shot, would have gone ugly with it and then like really enjoyed that praise but like you know, I see what you're saying. I can't now I can't wait to see it. I should have saw it before we talked, but um um interesting i i just think i'm not comfortable with hecklers i don't think i'm there yet i'm just getting i'm starting to a little bit i'm at like uh almost eight years so like i'm I'm getting a little more comfortable with things but i i'm still afraid of hecklers um but it's always the those people who are the most annoying and then after the show they're like those so good you're you're oh my and i'm like oh they were just having a good time and i'm really thinking through like another comic had told me about like you really have to kind of think through what's the situation? Are they having a good time? Are they trying to be mean? Was it an accident? Was it, and then kind of make a decision from there. Right. Yeah. The rest of the crowd or you don't want to. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. People that just snap immediately on it because there is, you can tell, you can tell someone's intention if it's like, and again, this woman, it wasn't even so much that she was heckling so much as if she was talking constantly through the show. Um, to not even to her fiance, but to some random lady sitting next to her who was getting, who was also on the front row, and who was getting more and more irritated. Like the first edit of it, they actually tried to minimize how much of this woman is in the special. They did the first edit, but then it's not only did it feel kind of weirdly disjointed, but also just the vibe was very bizarre because people in the audience are pissed off, and you don't know why they're pissed off because they're pissed off at this lady who's ruining a show that they came to because she just won't shut the fuck up. And so, but again, not doing it out of spite she was just that wasted she didn't know what was going on um i mean i you talk about the people that come up to you afterwards when you have to handle them i did a show in hong kong one time and there were and it was at the time that trump was first became president so i had a bunch of dunking on trump jokes and there was like wealthy traveling abroad bro with his bros and they got shitty about it and they heckled me back for so i basically the exchange ends with me challenging to a fist fight in the street right <laughs> and i'm just like i'm i'm ready to go i don't care let's find out what a hong kong jail is like motherfucker <laughs> let's just <laughs> and so at the end they come up that dude comes up to me and goes hey man you got us really good like to them it was a game right and this was in a festival i was in a festival I was in the hong kong international comedy festival which also has a competition element to it and so i had to spend some of my competition round yeah th threatening to beat up a member of the audience <laughs> <laughs> which strangely enough did not advance me in the contest strangely enough man um see the things that we have to deal with everybody like uh it can be a lot um I constantly have a fear of like even if I can own a person or dunk on them or whatever it is I have this fear and I think it's because I am female of I'm not allowed to make a man like feel bad like I'm afraid if I were to actually you know let's say I dunked real hard I mean there's something in the back of my head is afraid of you know, violence or yeah. something terrible or, or heaven forbid, they call me fat. Um, I don't know if I can handle it. Um, so there, I, I think I innately have something like that in me where I'm, you know, I'm kind of afraid of what a weird dude would do. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a I, lot, there's a lot going on behind something like that. Yeah. I think that, and you all, you always have to make the decisions in like seconds too, in real time, in the moment. And I think you're completely valid in that. You know, um, I'm a big fan of this band called Idols, and they've got this lyric that says, um, uh, "Men's fear is that women will laugh in their face. Women's fear is that uh, uh, women's fear is that uh, it's their life men will take." Yeah. And it's like that really distills it all right down. So I think you do have to go and really consider that too. At least until you get big enough that you can have private security. You know, just. Totally. <laughs> 
take someone out and murder them in the back alley. That's how that's how successful I want you to be. That you can <laughs> kill indiscriminately and you still get away with it because you're so big and so popular. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Um, so where can people watch Tango in Philly? Yeah, it's just up on YouTube on the Helium Comedy Studios uh, channel. So all you got to do is just type in Tango in Philly or Matt Alano Martin, and I'll get you right there. Uh, my name is spelled a little odd. It's M-A-T and then A-L-A-N-O hyphen M-A-R-T-I-N. Um, and I'll get you right there. And again, I mean, we talk about how oh, it's so compelling. It is also funny. I do get some of the jokes out. And I do, when I am handling her, make it funny most of the time. <laughs> So, so it is still a good comedy special. It's just, uh, it's got a little extra element to it. A little, su- little subtext there. You know. So you did mention my, my special came out, I think the day after yours and mine was mm-hmm. on dry bar. Um, we were talking about, oh, these things take a long time to come out. I filmed mine in March of 2021. Um, so I know they had been backlogged and stuff, but, uh, um, it got a little long, you know, I was like, oh. yeah, and I, and I watched it over the weekend before it came out. And I was like, oh, those jokes have gotten better. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. And that's the most. Frustrating. Really yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Also, like um, we were trying because I had I had two different contracts with helium. I had a, I had a contract with helium records to make a new album. And then I had the separate contract with helium comedy studios to record the special. But we're like, let's double dip. We'll just record the whole thing one weekend, right? And 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 the thing is, like, I didn't lo- obviously we weren't going to put this heckler woman and all that kind of distraction on an audio album, so I had to tape it. The record we part we taped um, three months later in Fort Collins at the Comedy Fort, and there are same jokes. There's some similar jokes. The special is only thirty minutes long. The album's an hour, but they're the same jokes that are in the special that are on the album are not only better because I'm not dealing with a heckler. But they're just better. I had a couple more months of road time with them. I think there's a couple, there's like a couple few more tags, you know, and and it's just the nature of it. That's Midnight Nachos. And so Midnight Nachos is the audio album. That's the full hour. And that's on all the streaming services and all that kind of good stuff. And then the special is Tango and Philly. I love that. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. Everybody should should listen to that. Um, I, you know, I've name dropped a couple people. You you just talked about uh, the comedy for it. And I was thinking how we know a lot of the same people because we met at a festival and then I did the festival in Bloomington. So I got to meet a lot of people there and like, you know, well, you were there and you were busy and it's just, it's just kind of been fun. This like jigsaw puzzle of comics and friends. And you're like, I know them, I know them. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to go back to Bloomington a couple months after the festivals. It was earlier this year to feature and i was really excited about that um that's great who did you feature for i think i remember you telling me you were coming to town but i think i was out of town working i think yeah. so uh, who did you work I, with uh jack knight rest in peace oh man yeah yeah so that was uh that was i mean it was an interesting weekend and then it was a surprise when he passed away um but uh you know the fans in bloomington i i used to think like maybe i don't think college people like me i just might not be their thing i'm not smart enough or clever i'm just too silly these kids these people were so good i like i have like swarms of young women just like and you know i love the youth of today because they're like so smart and they're so up they were like you bring a lot to the table you blah 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 and they were so funny like they were Brene Browning me, you know, they were just <laughs> yeah. giving me, oh, it was, I have a great, I have a picture. It's kind of on my vision board of them just like, you know, like swarming. They're so Yeah. Good. Uh, the comedy attic is a very special place and yeah. it's like, it, it earns every single drop of fame and reputation that it has because they really have trained their audience on how to be a great comedy audience. There's nothing else to say about it. They're, they're not alone in that comedy club on state has done the same thing. If you've ever performed there, the audiences there are phenomenal too. There are a handful of them in the country. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, 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 uh, don't worry about those college kids, Mary, you bring a lot to the table. And thank, uh, thank you. Yeah. So, I'm, actually it really touches me as I'm thinking like, should I do colleges or people are talking to me about doing colleges? And I'm like, I don't know if they like me. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, like you're, you're I think fine. you would be, I think you'd be great. I'm surprised that you haven't done the college, uh, what not NACA or whatever. I'm surprised yeah. you haven't done that because, you know, I don't know. They primarily want somebody who is clean and you're at least in my mind, a cleaner comic oh, for yeah. the most part, for the most part. I mean, I know the that you're an, so an adult. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you know, get the college gig and then, you know, once you're there, slip in a little dirty, you know, here and there, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, might not, might not get rebooked at that college, but you'll have your fun and, and the kids will learn something and that's important. Yeah. I think this year I met a lot of, of, of agents or that, that do that. So I think it's, it might be on the horizon for the next year. So I've been talking to people and considering it and just trying to take things one step at a time. This dry bar special, I've been looking forward to, to coming out and I, I'm hoping that would be a, a umph, you know, and then yeah. uh, uh, the next or last Sunday, I won a contest here locally. And I, I, was, I, like, saw that. Yeah. I was like, this is neat. And part of you is like, I don't, I don't deserve this or whatever. And you're like, Hey, it's just, you, you plant seeds and then they pay off three months, four months, six months down the road, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a, it's an important thing to think about. And I don't know how many, you know, comedians love to listen to comedy podcasts where comedians talk to each other. So I'm assuming that a certain amount of your audience is comedians. And I think that's something that's important to really think about is this idea. I think about Jackie Cation talking about this uh, one time about how there is no Johnny Carson invite you to the couch moment. Any, anymore in comedy, it's all little things. It's all little things that were like, oh, cool, I got this thing. And then because we're comedians, we almost immediately forget about them or dismiss them and still feel like we haven't accomplished anything. So you have to really kind of always take time to look back and take stock and be like, oh, I've done this, this and this. I've done these festivals. I've done, you know, I got to tape this thing for these people. That was really cool. I put out an album, you know, I all the little things that you've done, like add up and you have to really remember to celebrate those wins not all the time but you know every yeah. every now and then take stock you know where you are for sure big time that's such good advice thank you matt yeah um uh, so you were talking about your merch laura designed your shirt and i'll tell you just my pers- from my side when you like sh- you you published that and showed it and i was like oh my gosh this is the coolest art <laughs> i've ever seen and i was like i want something like like this like i'm not trying to copy you no no I want something cool like this because it's not connect- for me. It was like not connected to a joke, but like just some cool art, you know. And so I um, worked with Laura to get my piece done, and it's been the first—not the I won't say the first, but like I really, really loved it. And a lot of times I don't love when I get things done. I'm like me, but yeah. Process- I, I- can I just say that yeah. I love that that I'm the one who inspired that because who inspired me to use Laura was Spark Tabor. Spark's Tabor shirt was so dope. Oh, and he's like, yeah, that's Laura. And I already knew Laura. And I think I knew Laura did graphic design, but I didn't know, know that she did graphic design. And so I love it that it's just comics seeing each other's stuff and we're all we're all tracking it back to tracing it back to Laura because her work is so good, you know. Did you say pulling Spark? it up because I want Spark Tabor. Yeah, he was based out of Chicago for a long time, although he just moved, I think to dc or baltimore or something like that um yeah he had he had this shirt that basically like was half his face half a like teddy bear's face like but like a weird demented like looking teddy bear face but it was also the same thing you mentioned this too it's also like having merch that isn't tied to a joke is um is great because then a you don't have to always do that joke and if it just stands alone and looks cool um although in my experience merch that's tied to a joke that you do on stage tends to sell better sell better yeah yeah i don't really know where i am right now with merch like i i don't know i have i'm i don't know i'm in a weird place with it but i do just i do stickers like i give them away and mm-hmm. that's what um you know and the return on it the follows and stuff like that isn't as as good as if i just held up a qr code you know yeah. um, but i do love it and i want people to display like it's something they will display and that's one of the things i told laura when, when I went through the intake was I just want something cool that people want to put on their water bottles. Like that would right. be a win. So um, that's really cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I was telling myself like, if you want to do it, like do it right. And you know, find the artist and the questions she asked and the thought process got me to that point. Um, Cause mine, I don't know if you've seen it is like a, it's almost like a Medusa, um, but it's like um, microphones and then there's snakes Oh, maybe I have seen this. It sounds familiar. I'm trying to pull up your right stuff here. now. Okay, wait. Yeah, so it's got like hearts coming out of the eyes. Oh, yeah, that's a, that is great. Yeah, it's like, yeah. and it's kind of my vibe. It's like, please love me, please. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm and it just, it just a hint of cleavage too, like a classy amount of cleavage <laughs> thrown into the the design. Yeah, sure, just a little. <laughs> it was that wasn't on the intake form. Uh huh. Sure, likely. Uh, you were like, give me a banging rack and. Uh, <laughs> you know what though you kind of need to show off your assets sometimes. yeah 
sometimes. It's and nice to know that that's what Laura thinks of you. She's like, well, clearly, if I'm doing Mary, I've got to include this. There's a chicken wing in one of the snakes. Oh, yeah. Right there. Isn't that cool? Yeah, a microphone yeah. and a chicken wing. That's, that's really great. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of would like to do some um, tote bags, maybe, I think is what mm. I, I might be interested in, but we'll see. Well, um, I will say, not to get too in the weeds about merch conversation, but I just ordered uh, koozies, which I just did my first run of koozies last year and it wasn't great i just realized that koozies are a hot seller and so the the, the idea I came up with is okay i did sell through all of them the new idea ties to a brand new joke that i feel is somewhat foundational to the new hour because i've already started working on hour four oh, and so um this joke is fun to do on stage i think it will continue to be fun to do and it also the emotional intelligence aspect of it is kind of key to a lot of what the next hour is going to be about, I think. And so I just like, it just occurred to me on Monday. I was like, Oh, that would make like this one line from a kind, not even really the punchline, but kind of a, a, a pivot line in the joke would be a great koozie. And so I just put in my order. <laughs> like I've been doing shirts and shirts are cool to have, but they're also like expensive upfront. Yeah, yeah. You got to lug them around. You got to have all the different sizes. Koozies are just like easy, simple. They're cheap. Lightweight. um I did lightweight one, yeah um for my phoenix funny which i haven't done a lot with phoenix funny it was tied to a joke that i don't do anymore but i do love every all the time randomly i'll get a text if somebody be like where are you after goofy like uh, yeah so yeah it's nice yeah um but i've i've also been thinking about stickers too, too because um they're they're just cool <laughs> stickers are cool you know they're like the coolest way to get to, to do promo you know it's like yeah. it's like handing out a business card but exactly. way cooler you know exactly we're talking about merch we're talking about mm -hmm. logos and design. do you just come up like if you if you see a good opportunity you do it and and that's how you do go about your merch and and logos and stuff or do you try to do something like every year or hey this feels stale like how do you know when it's time to like do another concept uh, well, before all my merch was tied to specific jokes. And so it really became the thing of like, I'm, I'm really done with this joke. Right. Um, and so that was a big part of it. Uh, or if I tried something and didn't, it wasn't selling great. Then I was like, okay, I need to try something different. Or it took a long time to sell through or something. Um, I think it's kind of like, I would like to have something new every year is is part of it um because you do go back to the same club sometimes and you are lucky enough to have people that come and see you every time and it's nice to have something fresh for them um i have thought about reissuing some of my older merch that was particularly popular um like my second album is called blood mouth and the shirt that i did for that would did very well and i have started doing that joke again after being retired for like four or five years um just just to kind of test the waters. Like, do I like still talking about this thing? Like this story? Like, and I was like, yeah, it's fun. And, which is also a nice thing. Sometimes you bring stuff back and you're like, oh, it's still fun again. I haven't been doing it every single night for three years straight. Like it's been rested up. It's like, oh, this is kind of a fun bit. But to me, it's really like, it's just kind of like when I have a good enough idea, like, oh, that's the thing, yeah. you know? So I've had some, I've had some duds that, you know, I don't have boxes of anything still, except for my CD, my CD copies of Blood Mouth because nobody buys CDs anymore. But, um, you know, as far as the shirts and koozies and stuff, I have I've, I have been able to eventually sell through everything, which is nice. So what about you? When when do you do it? Well, I'm glad we're talking about this because I have this weird like imposter syndrome when it comes to merch. Like I and, and like I said a minute ago, like I'm kind of hesitating on doing a shirt with this logo, even though I love the, the art and everything. Like I feel like. Uh, like there's a little little gremlin inside of me going like, why would they want to wear a shirt with your picture on it? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, a lot of times people buy merch at the end of the show just because they had such a good time and they want to support you. And it doesn't, I wish it was almost more okay for us to just stand there with a tip jar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like then I, I wouldn't have to haul things around. I wouldn't have to pack a bunch of shirts and stuff. There are also like this, the shirt that I, the Laura Sanders design, I've had so many compliments on it. I think that people buy it just because it looks cool. It's a cool you know? shirt. I yeah. think it's a great approach too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is, I think that, I think that's the biggest reason why you should do it is just because there are going to be people, pe there's going to be people after your show that just want to give you money. Like I did um, a brunch show in Oklahoma city on this last run at uh Bricktown comedy club. Shout out Bricktown. Fantastic venue. Um, 
And it was the very first one that they ever did. And they had a good turnout. We had like 60 people or whatever come out for this run show. And I sold a bunch of shirts to older black couples who were there for the brunch show who I'm like, they're not wearing my t-shirt around. Like maybe the, the ladies might wear it as like a night shirt or something like that, but they're not, they're not wearing, maybe I'm just profiling them because they were also very well dressed. <laughs> like I even asked them, I was like, did you guys come just from, just come from church? And like some of them, yes, but some of them, no, but it was just like, I think they just liked that. I did a good job. They had a good time and they wanted to hand me $20. Yeah. You know what? You're so right. Um, and I was just thinking about, I don't wear any t-shirts that I buy. Like if I buy them at an event, I don't mm -hmm. wear them. They're not made for me. Uh, there's very few shirts that like, oh, this looks good. I would wear that. You know, yeah. um, I was I was just at a, a work event and like they were giving us all the swag and I had that like, I want that kind of feeling. Then I got yeah. home and I'm like, I'm not wearing that. Yeah. So this is an interesting point. It's not really about like, I want to support you is what they're saying. Right. And that's why I think also like things like koozies or any other sort of like smaller functional thing, item functional item which they might use or they might just throw in a drawer you know i know people have koozies just in drawers from like events that they went to or whatever um it's also you're gonna get more people who are like willing to give you five bucks for a koozie or whatever than 20 bucks for a shirt you know they're gonna capture a lot of those people that are like yes i had a good time and i want to give you some money but I also like there's I feel like there's a big what swap people. I'm not gonna give you twenty dollars. <laughs> like I didn't have I didn't have an additional twenty dollars worth of good time, you know. But yeah. maybe I don't know. The whole thing is a mystery no. mysteries for sure. Tom Sims, owner of Stir Crazy, told me, like, just do donation. Just tell them it's just a donation. I made so much money on my koozies yes. uh, from doing it that way. So that that worked out nicely. The thing is you can't do that with shirts though, because shirts are so expensive up true. top. Like That's your true. per your per shirt cost really you can't do the pre-donation thing. But yeah, I've seen people do donations for stickers and pens yeah. and for koozies and they kill it yeah. because people will just throw them $20 and say, keep it. Or they'll be like, here's $10. Well, that koozie costs a dollar to make. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, donations definitely a way to go on those things. I do have a couple in Sacramento who did buy my shirt when I had shirts once and mm -hmm. they reached out to me in the pandemic. They're like, do you have any more? This is my husband's favorite shirt. She sent me all these pictures of him wearing it. And I'm like, I love you guys so <laughs> much. I know I don't do, have more. Do you have any more? Can you be a third to our relationship? Yeah. Uh, they weren't even creepy. That's why I like them so much. They're so sweet and just nice yeah. people. Um, so okay, so that's what merch is so much fun. I think um here's the thing: it's like just do something, whether it's keep your podcast going, get a new piece of art. I kind of want new art for my for this podcast. Um, but I'm like, Mary, don't let that stop you from recording new episodes. Like, yeah. just you instead of thinking about it and you know like do do everything oh, I love yeah it. i i think definitely like it's good to have that goal of like recording uh, of like having new artwork and maybe you know maybe trying to promote the podcast more like to more people or whatever but you that should not stop you from recording episodes because particularly people buy into it and they discover there's all these back catalog of episodes i that's how i when i discover a podcast i was like oh i don't have to wait a week for a new episode because there's all these other old episodes I can check out. Then yeah. that to me is very exciting for sure. Yeah. I like going through some of those and some popular podcasts, but I'll just go through if I like, like the person or I'm interested in the, the guest and I'm like, nice. you know, it's been yeah. a cool treat. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Thank you. You're really like re-energizing all my love for all these things, which is really cool. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> you, so speaking of podcasts, you just launched a new podcast with mm -hmm. Dwight, who is amazing. It's called Matt and Dwight just might. Mm -hmm. um tell me about that so yeah so i had the idea i i this was kind of inspired by two podcasts that i love and um those podcasts are the jackie and laurie show with yeah. jackie cation and laurie kilmartin where they uh they just kind of talk about their their what happened that week and their lives in comedy right they recap like what shows they just did what they've got coming up they get off on these tangents about comedy things like they talk about their lives i just find, find it very fascinating because it's like a week by week playbook it's kind of like the it's like the comedian group text thread you know or whatever where you're all catching you up there just wasn't a male perspective and we yes I, like, there's not there's not enough male comedians talking about <laughs> comedy. Did it. So yeah. just yeah. kidding. i would listen yeah. to you i would listen to you too any day uh yeah. 
over that. Okay. No, but so that was partially. And then another one was um, I love Zach Peterson's podcast, uh, No Coast Comedy Club, which is documenting and he interviews comedians from everywhere except for New York and L.A. and Chicago. And so it's basically how do you make comedy work from these other places in the country? And so he has a lot of smaller level comics on there. I should know. I was one of the guests. I was, I'm a smaller level comic. So it's the combination of these things. Like the structure is somewhat similar to Jackie and Laura's, except they're far more successful than us. Right. Like they're talking about their Conan sets and they're talking about headlining these clubs. Uh, you know, Dwight and I are a step below that where we headline very small rooms and occasionally you'll headline an off night at a club but we're mostly we're mostly featuring right on the road and we're doing it from the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And so I felt like our story is maybe relatable to a lot of comics. You know, Jackie and Lori is like maybe it's, it's definitely relatable. Comedians just go through a lot of the same things no matter what level they're at. I've learned so much from them. Yeah. But it, and I feel like there's something I think like there's a I think there's they're going to be talking about life at a certain level that uh, they're going to be skipping over some of the things that Dwight and I talk about, like, you know, like the the woes of being a road feature and, and these kind of things, you know. So and also like he and I would catch up anyway. So it's like, why not just record this and put it out? And so far, the you know, we just dropped the third episode this week. And, you know, the response has been good. People seem to like it. We took questions um, from comics, which we still have a bunch to work through where they want to have all these different topics they want us to talk about and comedy fans. We had some comedy fans. I want to get a behind the scenes peek of what it's like. And so I'm very, I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we did it because it is anything, anything that you try to start now just feels like such a long shot, right? Like we're past the golden age of like pot. There's a million podcasts. So yeah. trying to start a new podcast and make a dent is a very ambitious thing. We've missed the window on becoming TikTok famous, right? Like, you know, um, like not there's people that still do it, but it's not you know, like the algorithm's not immediately jumping your things up. And you know, the the I even people I know who went TikTok famous talk about their clips now. It's so much harder for any clip to go viral because the algorithm's changed, you know? And so there's always that thing in the back of your head, at least in my head, uh, as I'm because I'm also I'm old, man. I'm 49 years old. And like like finding the youthful energy to do a bunch of projects just to do a bunch of projects is not quite there as much as it used to be. But this is something I thought was really valid. And I just enjoy hanging out with Dwight and we crack each other up. And, he, you know, he's my peer, but I learned from him too, you know? So I yeah. love the idea. It sounds great. And, and um, like, it's important information. People are going to find it when they're ready or, or what, if like, if you, if, if they relate to you, you know, like there's a hundred murder podcasts out there. I don't love all of them. I like this one because I like the people who do this particular one. Right. Um, so I think it's important people, when I tell them my podcast is wings with friends, they're like, Oh, like hot ones. And I'm like, no. And but, uh, you, you know, also started it so much longer before that too. Right. It's way I, before I, hot ones. Yeah. I don't know because I don't even know anything about hot ones. But I'm like, you know, if there can be a hundred murder podcasts, we can have two wing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, uh, so, this podcast is nothing like hot ones. If somebody asks you that, hot ones is just like, which I'm also not a fan of hot wings and hot chicken. That is so hot just to be hot. Somebody wanted me to like, let's do an episode like that, and I'm like, no. And second of all, it's I know a little bit about how how hot ones works, but I'm like, that's that's not doable for me. It's hard enough to like, like we, we recorded with wings in Santa Fe and it was like, actually it worked out because we went to the restaurant, ate them and then recorded. Even right. that takes a lot of planning, but to get what different flavors and, you know, let me get your milk ready. Let me yeah. get a fire extinguisher. Like it, that's just too much. Yeah. And I figure with any of these projects, it has to be something you like, you're passionate about. Not that it's easy, but it's, it's, you can execute it. You can yeah. do it. That's going to be the number one thing. If you're going to keep doing it, you hang yeah. out with Dwight, you catch up anyway. Why not record it? Hey, there's the recipe for longevity. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, a, it really, you know, you know, it's the thing is like, if you really love doing it, then hopefully the money comes later or whatever, but you just, um, yeah, I mean, you have to do it for the love. It's the same thing with stand up comedy, you know, like none of us get paid for a long time, you know? And then when we do start getting paid, it's not much money, you know? <laughs> it's like, I think about like, you know, I'm 13 years into comedy. If I was 13 years into a career at a 
company somewhere, I'd be making a lot more money <laughs> right now. Well, I met you. Yeah. And you I, know what? Uh, what? Well, I, any festival I go to, any town I go to, like I know somebody because like I've talked to all these people, I've bought people wings and, you know, and it, it just, it's, it's a weird net or web that you make. And I'm like, Sometimes I was at Big Pine in, in, in San Diego in May and it was like, hey, hey, hey. And then other people were like, who is she? Like all of a sudden, like I'm a, like people think I'm somebody and you're like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think you're referencing Limestone and all this. Limestone Comedy yeah, yeah, Festival. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that is like honestly the, the biggest thing. And it's what I tell comics all the time, like that ask me, you know, like, you know, should I submit to this festival or that festival? It's like, A, do you want to go to that place? Mm -hmm. You know, does that seem like a cool place to go do it? And then also, like, the biggest thing you get from any festival is the networking. And it's the networking with other comics, honestly, that pays off bigger than, you know, for 99% for of us, that's what pays off. Yes, you might be the one who actually connects and networks with the agent or the booking person who's there, and then that's great. But mostly it's networking with other comedians because, we all help each other, you know, as long as, as long as there's mutual respect, like, Oh, they're a real comic. They're good on stage and they're nice. Then yes, I'm going to hook them up with shows when they come through. I'm going to share information. Like that's, that's like the biggest reason to do festivals in my opinion. Yeah. And I did a lot in 2019 and then a couple in 2021 and 20 this year. Um, and I think I'm like, okay, I think I'm good for a while, but um, they definitely are fun. And I've met some amazing people. And what was I, there was something I was thinking and now I can't remember. And now that I'm trying to, I won't be able to remember. Um, I like festivals. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, I went to Flyover this year in St. Louis, which I was excited about. I don't know a lot of people in the Midwest scene, but because of like doing limestone or doing, you know, I'll run into like a couple people and it can be hard, but it's like, at least you're doing it. You now, you know, two or three more people i've noticed like if you're in the west you know you know a lot of people in the west and then yeah kind of breaking into a little bit of the midwest and a little bit of the east uh, i'm not there yet but i know a couple people yeah i mean the thing is like i mean we we have a pretty good spread of comics coming in from all over the country for it um not every festival does some festivals are a little bit more regional but i mean it's still like it's like, even if it's only a couple of people, even if you only connect with a couple of comics in that festival that you stay friends with and that can help you out down the road, which is not the reason to be friends with somebody, but, um, you know, it like, it still is, is, is a, is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful part of the entire process for sure. When I'm friends with somebody, I want to help them. I'm going to be like, here, take all this booking info. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so nice. It was so good. And I'm glad we can reconnect. Um, we didn't have any wings on this episode because you're under the weather and that's I'm okay. yeah I'm I'm sick I was gonna go get vegan wings uh from the um uh, and this is I'm on a lot of cold medicine right now uh what is it the Allery um makes vegan wings which I believe are just cauliflower I think okay. if I'm not mistaken um like in, in wing sauce um if you can cauliflower get tenders crispy, something like that if you can get those crispy like it, oh is it like a mashed cauliflower or is it like a whole piece I don't know. I've never had them, oh, but okay. I mean, I know that I know that they're on the menu there. Or at least they used to be when I was still going there regularly. Um, but yeah, I apologize. We can reminisce. I did like the wings that we had in Santa Fe. They were very good. I'm more of a, a dry rub. I'm more impressed with a dry rub on a wing than a wet wing. Although I do like wet wings every now and then. But just being someone who has a, a pretty prominent beard, wet wet yeah. wings is a an instant problem. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely become a dry, dry rub type of person uh, as I as I get into this. Um, those were good wings, but you know what I remember more than the wings was like that restaurant, the other tables. I remember talking to people at other tables, mm -hmm. and just I felt it was just a fun time. It was such a special, like Santa Fe is a really magical place, you know, and it was just a really beautiful uh, weekend at that festival at Cloud Top. Yeah, I Jessica Baxter and her team did such a great job with that festival. This is the first year we were there in the first year, and they did such a great job. And it was also like it felt special because there weren't very many comedians that were invited, like from submissions. Like we were like a handful. Um, it felt a bit like Big Sky. Big Sky does the yeah. same thing. Like only a, only a dozen or so people got in, um, and then there were headliners. And but like they did such a great job of making us all feel very welcome, and, and it was it was awesome. And yeah. Uh, yeah. 
That yeah, it was really neat. Oh, okay. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm not I don't know if I've ever been treated so well, I don't want to say that. Other festivals can be like, what, Mary? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, but festivals are producers' babies, just like you know, I'm sure you feel like about limestone. Like you, you, you're um you're touching like every piece of it. You're you're it's you and yeah, so I get it. Yeah, yeah. Let me put sure. my foot in my mouth some more. How about that? <laughs> what do you want for 2023 what are you looking forward to in the new year what what's on your vision board oh it's on my vision board um let's see i you know i'm trying to think what's the good thing i i am going to do a festival that i've wanted to do for a few years i'm not I'm supposed to talk about it yet because i've not announced who's gotten in um, but that's exciting um let's see I'm excited about this new hour that i'm working on it's hour four um i think it's I think it's going to be really good. Like I'm maybe like 20 minutes of it is, is built so far and not all of that 20 is airtight and not all of that 20 is probably going to stick around in the current form, but it's good enough that it's made it through several months of testing on stage. Right. Like I, I already know what the closure is going to be and I'm kind of writing it backwards from that. And so I really want to get it shaped up. I, I'd like to get it completely formed and shaped uh by the end of the year um and so that i can record it next year that would be an ideal for me which is a much quicker turnaround than i'm used to i usually spend about four years on each album um but i'm i don't know i the i've tapped into a a theme if you for lack of a better word um that i think is uh it's a deep vein it's a deep vein there and there's a lot to write about and it's a lot of ways that i can do different types of jokes like I know this sounds like kind of more like a one man show or something. It's not that. And it's not particularly, <laughs> it's not high minded. I was trying to explain to somebody. I think it's, again, I used this phrase earlier in the podcast about the emotional intelligence. I think there's an emotional intelligence to, to these bits that are tying it all together. Cause I mean, one of the jokes is a, it's a blowjob joke at the end of the day, but the subtext and what I'm actually talking about it that is like the delicacy of male ego. Right. And so that's, that's the part is unsaid but is explicitly implied in like the joke and the punchline and everything that comes out of it or whatever. So I'm trying to finish this hour of blowjob jokes and I'm trying to say no. <laughs> no. I love that. I love it. Yeah, that's the main thing. And then I, you know, I want to keep doing the road and keep doing shows and keep making people happy and hopefully these koozies sell. <laughs> I have very basic goals. Yeah. This is my like fairy godmother wand. This you put it out there, and then it's gonna happen. Now, I wish I had asked you this question at the beginning, and I would have we would have talked about it for a whole hour. But when you say, or when a comic says, "I'm writing my next hour," and mm -hmm. you kind of outlined what that looks like, does it? I'm always thinking like, what does that mean when somebody says, "Oh, I'm writing my next hour," uh, but it sounds like you had a, you have an intention, you have that vein, and now everything is is kind of serving that like core idea. Yeah, that's the first time. This is the first time that that has happened. I, outside of the times that I've done two fringe festivals where they were more like one man shows, they were still funny, but there was, it was like taking comedic bits that I, or jokes that I was doing and then writing things to connect them into a narrative story. Um, this is more, again, it's kind of like, uh, there's no other way that other saying that there's a feeling or an intention, um, a, basically a worldview that is running through all the jokes, whether it be about, sex or just going to the store or whatever there's a more unified sort of ideology i guess to it um but for me like whenever i have been started writing an hour um it's really just about like the other ones have been like you know here's like here's my jokes about the you know like i'm thinking about like midnight nachos like all right here's my joke about covid and the lockdown here's several jokes under that sort of umbrella here's the next umbrella these are the jokes about traveling here's the jokes about whatever you know like relationship stuff there was all these like different arcs and themes under in within mm -hmm. one hour and i think it's gonna feel like on the surface this new hour is going to be like that too but there is going to be a deeper again i think a connective tissue to it all that's going to make sense so i'm not going to just talk about one topic the whole time but it's going to hopefully tie it together we'll see fingers crossed okay i love this can't wait please keep me posted just yeah. i especially with where i'm at in my journey now i'm thinking about it more and i'm going hey how can i go at this more t intentionally you mm -hmm. know i think um i think that's what's driving me the most right now is like oh hey a special came out it's clean it's um i mean dry bar is great 
but I now I'm thinking, how can I do this and I'll control it and I want it to be, you know what I mean? Like, like yes, I, own I, it and produce yeah. it myself and stuff. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly the way to do it. And, you know, the same thing, like with this, this helium thing, like the, the special that we came out, like, again, they did an amazing job of doing the re-edit to make it what it is. But when I saw the first edit, I was honestly going to ask if I could buy it back off of them to bury it because it wasn't what I wanted as, as a representation of myself. Um, and luckily again, Jimmy is a pro at his job and was able to re restructure and reframe the entire thing. Right. And, um, and that sounds almost like we added laughs. We did not add any laughs. No, we also did not digitally add in this woman to interrupt the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there, I also, it's like, there is like, you, you know, you're kind of like a little bit of it's out of my control, you know, cause some of my friends is like, oh, that's so crazy. Why didn't they just reshoot the special? Because that wasn't an option. Yeah. Like they, we had this Friday and the Saturday to tape. Right. And we taped a bunch of sets and the other sets were also bad. I'm just put it this way. Philly was not feeling me. Like a couple of people were like, yeah, they just want like dumb dumb dick jokes loud who's drinking who's partying like i'm nine years sober the closer is about my dad dying of als like it's a very different thing than what they were wanting and so and again it's not the material it's you know because again i did the same material in comedy for it a comedy town and that crushed and then they did right you know and so it's one of those things where like someone's why, why didn't you just reshoot it not an option i don't technically own this i you know i own these jokes but i don't own this thing that happened i signed a contract that said they were gonna tape on these two days and that's it and so i 100 i mean i would love to do a dry bar i would love i like it when i get to you know stretch and and do clean for corporates and stuff like that i like the challenge of it i think it's interesting um but i love this idea that you're already thinking okay that was the thing that gets my name out there now how do i do my own thing and have complete control because that's honestly what i would like to do like with this next hour um, I would also like to shoot a special for it, you know, but I'm also thinking the same thing is like, how do I just pay camera people to come in? Like, I, I know some really good video editors pay them just pay it for it myself. And honestly, even if nothing happened for it and I, it like, it just goes on YouTube and it doesn't get a ton of views or anything, I would still feel better. Cause like, cause I mean, I've done that my whole life with music. I've, I've, <laughs> I've spent a lot of money putting on, putting out music nobody cared about. But I never regretted it or felt bad about it, you yeah, know. It's yours. It's your baby, and if, yeah. it, if it succeeds, it's you. If it if it doesn't, it's you, and you controlled it. I mean, but isn't this like all of our favorite musicians, right? We if you step back and look at their catalog of work, you're like, oh, that first album was great. It was so raw. It was this, or you know, corporate got a hold of them, and then they finally got away from their manager. Am I talking about Insync? Uh, Maybe, but no. <laughs> But, you know, and then they started doing things that they wanted to do. And so maybe, I mean, it's a similar journey, maybe. I think there's nothing wrong with playing the game as long as you don't let the game play you. And I know that sounds like some sort of hip hop lyric and it might be. But, um, yeah, I think if you go in knowing, you know, like, you know, like I have three albums out on two different <clears throat> audio labels, two different comedy record labels, you know, and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe that you're, you know, that label gets 50 percent of your serious XM spins. Well, yes, but I also would have never gotten a serious XM without yeah. that label. Yeah. And so, yes, I have made that the first label in particular that has two of my records out that did very well on Sirius. Both those records did well. I made that guy a lot of money, but I also made myself a lot of money. You know, when you look at it year after year after year and you add it up, you know, let me also asterisk a lot of money for me. Okay. <laughs> Just yeah. a lot of money for name. me. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, you know, so I think. I, I think there is something to be said of like, as long as you know what you're getting into and you are using it as a, a stepping stone to do things on your own terms. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I always think about the band Rush. Um, they couldn't get signed with Getty Lee as the vocalist. So they brought in a vocalist to do the first record. And I, I don't know if this is absolutely true. This is a, this may be an urban myth that was passed down to me as a kid, but they, they brought in a different singer to do the first record and that, but they had signed like a multi-album deal because that's how they did it back then, you know. And so then they immediately fired the guy and then Getty went back to singing, you know, because he has like a high voice. that's kind of like, yeah, you know, unique. unique. And so then they and then they were able to crank out hits proving the, the label wrong, but the label didn't want to sign them with him as the singer. Yeah. So they just used the label. They just played him. They played the label by hiring a guy to get the deal. And then well, like, well, we have the contract and nothing says we can't fire band members. So, yeah. yeah. I saw Rush once. How was it? It was great. I think okay. it was playing with um, 
Stone Temple Pilots. Mm, okay. Or maybe it was like a Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, the 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 combos. This was this was in the two thousands. Mm. We used to go to a lot of shows back then. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Of course, we all want to hear the hits. I always, I feel like such a uh, a hack. <laughs> You're like, play Tom Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been so good, Matt Alana Martin. Thank you so much. Um, listen, everybody. Um, check out Matt's 30 minute special Tango in Philly on YouTube. It's on Helium Records. Um, also check out Midnight Nachos and his new podcast with Dwight Simmons. Uh, Matt and Dwight just might. I'm very yes. excited. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. It was so good just to catch up and, and, and I'm so proud of you too. Like the, the dry bar thing being named the funniest comic in the universe. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's all, it's so good to see good people getting things. Honestly, I mean that 100%. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we're just going to keep hustling and just keep working and, you know, be happy. That's all we can do. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to Wings with Friends. Follow Matt. Please check out our specials. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.